0: You're listening to the Effective Statistician podcast in association with PSI, episode number 28, Tables are not the key deliverables. Welcome to the Effective Statistician with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, the weekly podcast for statisticians in the health sector designed to improve your leadership skills, widen your business acumen, and enhance your efficiency. Please subscribe to the newsletter, as we would like to survey our listeners to provide actually better value to you. So uh, we are also planning to give you weekly, short and actionable advice in the future. Another reason to subscribe to the newsletter. Now the submissions for oral presentations at the PSI conference are online. And you can submit for the PSI conference for an abstract by the 23rd of November this year, and by a uh, postal, 28th of February next year 2019. In today's episode, we'll talk about tables, and actually why they are actually pretty outdated, and what we could do instead to better understand our data, better communicate our results, and actually make better decisions on our data, easier decisions on our data, and all the different areas where we can actually do something much more sensible just than providing hundreds of tables on a PDF format. This podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practice and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the special interest groups, the video on non- uh, demand non- content library, free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. Just visit the PSI website at psiweb.org and become a PSI member today.
1: This is a new episode of the Effective Statistician with Benjamin Pieske and my co-host Alexander Schacht. Hello, Alexander. Hi, Benjamin. Hello. Nice talking again. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, well, last week actually. So, so um, today we are talking about uh, tables, or maybe not about tables, because our topic today is the, you know, the kind um, is the title: tables are not the key deliverables and. Well, as a statistician, you usually have a lot of tables to deliver, to review, to to work on, to create, to design, to whatever. But we are today talking about tables are not being the key deliveries, Alexander. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so in, in preparation for this um, session, I was um, stumbling about uh, uh, two stories. Um, and one is actually... When I joined the industry um, a long time ago, um, my supervisor at that time uh, told me, we are not table monkeys as statisticians. And I never really understood at the time what he meant about that. But I think um, later on, I learned much more what this is about. It's kind of not just, you know, our function is uh, partly kind of obsessed with tables because everything is about you know delivering tables and you know all our lots of business contracts are says um, payment by tables and um, we spend lots of time in kind of you know fine tuning the tables and, and designing the tables and all these kind of things and um i think we sometimes lose the bigger picture about kind of focusing on all these kind of little, little tables. And, um, I was thinking about another story where I was thinking about this was, um, when I was working on a German HDA submission, I had, um, hundreds of tables. You know, these big submissions where you have lots of lots of different endpoints and you have um, lots of different subgroups that you need to look into by uh, required by the, you know, German HTA system. And you may have also a couple of different ways to analyze the data, you know, due to, you know, dropouts being very prevalent in your study, for example. So you have, let's say, you know, 20 endpoints or maybe with a new updated of the gba requirements maybe even more and then you have you know let's say 30 subgroups and you have three analysis approaches well you end up with hundreds of tables very very easily if not thousands <laughs> or thousands and and you know how do you make sense of all these tables? You know, how can you make sense if if the um, if your treatment differences across different subgroups are consistent, or let's say where uh, the um, all the different endpoints and there are many possibly highly correlated endpoints, whether they are all consistent within in a subgroup, or whether they are you know consistent ap- across different analysis approaches. So um if you want to check that using tables, you need to rearrange hundreds of you know papers all the time and um it's really, really tedious. So um when I think when I was digging into this, I thought you know, tables is maybe not the optimal way to look into all these kind of different data. Um,
1: yeah, that reminds me of the interview we had with Zach where we said it's not the tables, is visual, visualization. So looking into this in the interactive graphical way and digging into the data more. But I I don't know. I mean, is, is it? what you had in mind as well? Yes, so
0: it goes into this direction. I think, you know, um, for us as a function, we are so much obsessed with the tables that we forget about kind of the important thing is to enable decisions based on the information in the tables. That's the key thing. And um, having tables is just one way of looking into the data one of many ways you know these typical um, clinical study report type of tables they are you know very very nice and but they only serve for a specific purpose and if you want to kind of um look at these information for a different purpose. You know, these tables may not be the optimal solutions to do that.
1: You mean it's kind of a subjective way of presenting results in a way of, you know, maybe what you expect as an outcome or what your purpose is for having the data available?
0: Yeah. So, so you know, if, if you think about uh, our clinical trial data, this uh, will be very often used in very, very many different settings. You know, one setting could be to make internal decisions about moving forward, or whether we need to, you know, add further analysis, or generally about understanding the data. And another uh, purpose might be to, you know, enable regulators to make a decision, or to ma- enable payers to make a decision. Or, you know, to inform the general public via um, clinicaltrials.gov. All these are different views basically on the same summary statistics that we provide. And I think very many people, you know, repute the same results just in different formats for all these kind of
1: different things. Yeah, I, I. This is a very common example, you know, to look at from the from the economical side is that you know when you plan a study, you're saying, well, I mean, you have to do you have to rerun the analysis and uh, for you know different purposes, and it's basically it's the same table. But in reality, it's not because the purpose of the interim or of the interim final or publication analysis that said that this that happens at the end of the study is different. So the tables will be changed. Yeah. So the views per you know it's it's dependent on the on the purpose of the creation of the tables. Yeah, and of course, kind of if the.
0: Data itself updates, yeah. So, so for example, you have the new database logs, and of course, also the information updates. So Absolutely, that's, that's something. Yeah, but um, if you have, you know, just want to provide, um, don't know what's your average difference between the treatment arms is, yeah, and you want to have that for an internal presentation in in slides or you want to have it kind of in an interactive way so that you can, you know, look at houses different changes if you look into different subgroups. Yeah. So so um or if you have it um as a you know clinical trial.gov or if you have it in different parts of your submission. Yeah, you have it maybe in your on, on the trial level, then you have it on the summary re- level, and then you have it in the benefit-risk section of, of your submission and all these kind of different things. Yeah, so, so you look at the same summary statistic in many, many different ways. And I think um, if we rerun these analysis all the time, it has a couple of different problems. So the first problem is, <laughs> as you mentioned, it's pretty costly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. And yeah. um also it's is it really a good use
1: of our time? Which comes together with the costing because I mean if it's expensive, it's usually quite uh yeah, time intensive Yeah, uh, to, to really get this time. Yeah. And of course then you also need to make sure that you're consistent.
0: Yeah. The, if you rerun these kind of things, do is it really the same? Or is there kind of you know some update so especially if um if you may work with different uh programmers or maybe even different organizations you know if you have your um let's say your trial level result you do on you know with with one zero and your summary uh results across different studies you do internally or another zero works on that you know. Um, you need to have lots of checks in place to actually make sure that uh, all these hmm. results the are, are the same. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and you know, just minor you know updates of the software or whatever can lead to
1: some inconsistencies. Hopefully, not dramatic ones, but. <laughs> yeah but, uh, but you have to find them, you have to explain them, so it's really time consuming slow It's a slow progress in, in really getting, getting a rerun uh, of an analysis for a different purpose. yeah that's, a, that's the other point you know it
0: also takes an enormous amount of time and um, and it's a, it also can be costly, especially if you need to manually. Put things into place. So, for example, imagine you want to transfer your, um, you know, the treatment effects that you described in a table across, let's say, a year with 24 visits together with the confidence intervals and the p values into a graph. Well, you easily need to kind of, you know, manually enter. Don't know 60, 100 or even more numbers into your Excel spreadsheet to, to get, get the graph out. <laughs> or maybe you can, you know, see the, the, the table is organized in such a way that you can kind of clever copy and paste certain things. But if you need to do that for a couple of different endpoints and, and so on, it's a pretty tedious task. And then, you know, the, um, Stats comes around and says, Oh, by the way, we have an update
1: of the database log. Oh, great. I need to do all these kind of things again. <laughs> manually. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I would recommend to you not do it manually anyway, but to do, to use SAS or one of the pro, you know, software to, to create such thing. But, yeah. mm,
0: but, but in yeah. reality, it's, you know, lots of yeah. this happens yeah. because you know um, it's, these statisticians are not always directly involved when these things are created. You know, you may not be even, you know, as a statistician, be aware that, you know, someone somewhere produces, a, you know, official visual out of that. Hmm. You know? The no, absolutely. Companies, organizations are pretty big. And you may, may not know that, you know, someone that is a works in an affiliate as a a physician, wants to present this data in a different way. And, you know, he just creates it all manually. And of course, with Mm -hmm. that also, lots of kind of um, quality, consistency, and and, um, cost problems come.
1: (laughs) Unexpected cost (laughs) problems. No, but I mean, we've been talking now about all the disadvantages of focusing purely on, on the out on the tables, but what is then, you know, what is the alternative? So where, you know, where should we focus on and where is the, um, you know, how do we overcome the, the problem of, um, you know, slowness, costs, uh, cost effectiveness um, for, for the outputs? I think the first thing
0: is to be aware that study results are used in many, many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the use within your small study team is just the first step in a very, very long process. And um so it's important to first kind of recognize that and to have this this view and this different mindset. Um then, the second thing, and which is what I'm proposing, is um, to make sure that all the results are stored in an electronically accessible form together with their metadata. So, um, I think there could be kind of many very Different ways on how to do that, and I'm I'm surely not a, a you know IT nerd that can tell you exactly how to set up such a database, but um, I think you know uh, you can have all kind of different information in this you know the study population, the the analysis approach, the subgroups, the endpoints, the statistic, the title of the ta- uh, of your table, the footnote, you know. All these metadata that you have in there, you know, the um, you pro- probably could even kind of in, include things like whether it's draft or whether it's final, validation status, whatsoever. Yeah, uh, all kind of different things you could store in such a um, uh,
1: database where you also store your results. So I mean, like. Um- like a twofold approach saying that we have one is for the metadata and the other is, let's say the Adam dataset. So where, where you have a standardized approach of um, presenting or or keeping storing the, the, uh, the um, variables and the observations.
0: Yeah. I think of, you know, currently we have this approach that we go from the Adam data sets directly to the tables, figures and listings. Yep. Yeah. And my thinking would be that there's a step actually in between um, that you produce these results databases and then the tables would just sit on top of these. Of course, they could kind of, you know, in reality produced at the same time. Yeah, so, so you um, produce your uh, tables and you, you output all your results into a results data set at the same time. Um, but um, the key is that it's also stored as this metadata and this, meta d- and this results data set could also be, you know, much bigger than what you actually included in the tables. So, you know, like validation status, or maybe, you know, additional uh, SAS output, like um, goodness of fit statistics, or statistics that you may not need for this specific table, but maybe for other things. So maybe, you know, you want to just describe in your table the um, response numbers by treatment arm, but in your results data set, you could also have, you know, the odds ratios, the uh, risk difference, the relative uh, risks, the confidence intervals, the p-values, all kind of different things in there, yeah. Um, and and that way, you have then also much more possibility to later on um, work on different graphics of that.
1: Hmm. So I mean that you electronically. Basically, do everything with everything. Uh, so, create a huge um, data set, but don't uh, use this as an output, like a, as a uh, table. Um, yeah, and not as an RTF, table. An RTF yeah. table, but really keep it and for the purpose that may or may not come. Of
0: course, kind of, uh, you need to have some good, good business judgment in there, what you do, what you put into these results databases. Yeah. So so, um, and then of course the bigger picture comes back in. You need to have a little bit more awareness of um, how your data will be used in the future to a- to be able to do this.
1: Yeah, it, I think there might be some challenges in terms of um, what to produce for what. I mean, sometimes if you, for example, say, okay, I mean, we we do this or that statistical approach on basically all you know, variables that that could be, uh, you know, run in a in a specific specific model, then you know you might lose. The, the judgment of a statistician to say it makes sense or not. It is created, it's available in the metadata and can be used further on, but the statistician is not there to support, the for example, the publication team in order to, um, to choose the right things to interpret the results. And I think this is this is kind of bearing a bit of a danger to really run a lot of analysis on a lot of variables um without visualization and you know the, for for statistical interpretation so well of of course that kind of doesn't mean that
0: you shouldn't turn off your mind yeah so so, <laughs> so, so <laughs> still things should make sense um but it's um you know this risk difference relative risk risk diff uh odds ratio kind of topic that we always have with uh, German HDA submissions. Yeah, you have your phase three uh, study and you have just reported the odds ratio with a confidence interval or whatever, And then you also need to use this phase three study in your German submission and you need to rerun all the tables just to get the risk difference or the relative risk or, you know, or you You know, submit your uh, study results to a journal and they come back and say, well, um, we would like to see the risk difference instead of the odds ratio or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or we would like to have the um, p-values with four decimals instead of just three decimals this happens actually more far often than it should, but <laughs> in your results database, you know, you can have C um, uh, so that, you know, the P values with, don't know, 20 decimals, if you, if you like, and your tables just kind of is a view on that. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so I think there's lots of, lots of benefits about this, but of course, you know, you couldn't just you know dump everything you know mindlessly in there mm. yeah so, so um yeah i can see this danger of course that's so kind of
1: yeah, yeah. but but um. and it's and also i'm just now looking at the you know into the practical um, way of um, getting the results um quality checked and, you know, and, and and put it to the right, um, you know, quality setting. So this this also means that the, the QC approach must be, you know, rethought of uh, because, I mean, if you don't have the visualization in an RTF, um, there might must be other approaches, for example, for a statistician also within programming to really check the, the correctness and consistency within the, the whole metadata sets. Actually, I think with metadata, uh, it's
0: far more easy to do consistency checks and quality checks because you can um, you know sort and filter lots of different things. So for example, you want to check whether your um, mm. number of patients is the same across all the different tables. Very easy to do with such a data mm. set. Yeah, or you want to check for any kind of outliers, very easy to do with these things, or you want to even just check whether you have, you know, the 785 tables that you have specified, very easy to do <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and or, or you want to check for outliers or kind of, you know, weird, weird results that you have in in your uh, things. It's very, very easy. And also, if you, let's say, imagine you want to, um, you have a re of your study. Yeah. And you want to assess what is the, um, what's the impact. Now you have the old results data sets and the new results data sets, and you can very, very easily compare them and look where are kind of major uh, differences, rather than kind of you know printing out all your tables and then you know visually check um, table by table whether mm. you know anything yeah. has mm. tra- dramatically changed. Yeah, mm. um, and especially if you're under huge time pressure this can actually, you know, make it or break it.
1: Yeah. No, no, I agree that there there are advantages. But I think it's, um, I mean, today, I mean, just, just now bringing it back on the practical sense is, um, I mean, we can't change the way it is just just from today on and, and uh, just, you know, skip the output saying, well, that's not the key delivery. Here you use the metadata. So that doesn't work. But I think... One of the key points of um, that we should take from today is really that that um, the mindset is you know is what we should think about or rethink because we we always focus on the tables because tables are the deliveries to deliver to to be created to be um, delivered either to the client or to be received from you know from the farmer farmer uh, side or you know for for publication purposes um, investigators whoever you support with so tables are or figures as well are the at the moment the key deliveries but i think what we should always keep in mind is that there is much more behind it so it is the, the tables are subjective sharing information on a subjective point of view while it's actually the information the information that we are delivering. And this is objective. Yeah. And I think, you know, just as a small
0: practical steps that you could do. Yeah. So if you have your, all your programs set up in a very modular way, so that, um, for example, for all your different, you know, continuous endpoints that you have in your study, you have the same, Analysis approach there, or similar analysis approach, and it calls the same macro. What very often happens is that uh, programmers will produce actually a data set that they then um, output, and this data set is very often just stored temporarily. And if you store that permanently, and so so at the end of your program you direct it once to the RTF file and the other one is, you know, the exact same data set also goes into uh, into storage. And you kind of append all the different um, data sets that have the same, you know, analysis approach into a bigger data set. Then very easily you have, let's say, all your logistic regressions in one data set or you have all your descriptive uh, tables in one data set, or all your survival data in one data set. Yeah? And, and that way, um, you have a couple of data sets that help you already to um, much better assess what you have in terms of information. And that's a very, very little step, which I think will help help really a lot so Mm. um, but i but i completely agree kind of first is to change your mind and to open your mind and to um see that this information will be used in much more places than just the report you're working on
1: all right with these nice words (laughs) we'll make the day and uh, thanks for listening And bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. We
0: thank PSI for sponsoring this show. Thanks for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your colleagues about it.